anyway, this week we're starting a whole new series. So we're going to start with our head. And the name of this series is called Busting Open the Bible. So we're going to study the Bible. Right? Like we don't do that every week. But we're going to study about the Bible this week because it's, uh, you know, it's the most important book in the church. I don't think any of you could think of a book. Every book that you see at the Christian bookstore is about the Bible <coughs> or quotes the Bible. Um, there's never been a more best-selling book than the Bible ever. But that leaves the question, just because it's best-selling and just because everybody talks about it all the time, what is it? What it's about, what's it about? And why should we care? So, we want to know why should we care about the Bible. So we're going to really dig into what the Bible is and what God's plan for it in our lives is. So, we'll start with that illustration, right? We'll start with a little story, a little brain teaser for you. How many of you plan to drive a car at some point in your life? You're going to drive to Paris with your car. <clears throat> How do you... How are you going to drive this, that car? Steering it? Getting a license? I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to drive a car in, right? All right. Let's wheel it in. Let's wheel it in. We're on track. We're getting a little off track, Elliot. So, I know we got the donuts, but let's not get distracted. Driving a car seems pretty easy. You just get into it, but, but you got to go through some things first, right? Like someone said, you've got to get a driver's license. Well, well, what comes before you get a driver's license? Do you know? What? A permit. No. Well, a permit, but there's a big part with that that comes along with the permit. You got to go through something called a not a test. What was that? Driver's ed. Driver's school, right? You, you have to go. Well, you didn't. She did. And now you lose. So, driver's ed. What good is driver's ed to us? Well, it does some very important things that you guys will learn very soon. Number one, it teaches you about stuff that goes along with driving that, you did, that aren't quite as simple as just getting in the car and going. Like, what do all of these signs that don't have words on them mean? What, how, how do you park on a hill? That was one of the things for me. I didn't know there was more to parking on a hill than just going and parking on a hill. But there's stuff you gotta do. Like, you, if, you're turning, if you're parking downhill, you turn towards the curb. If you're parking uphill, you turn away from the curb because you want your car to hit a curb and hopefully stop if it's not already going downhill. This is a bigger deal in Seattle because there's lots of hills in Seattle. Not as many here in Illinois, especially if you get outside of the Fox River Valley. But all of these things that I didn't know about driving that were very important, I learned. But we hit on something really early. We hit on something earlier, though. There's another big benefit to driver's ed. What's the biggest benefit about going to driver's ed? You get to drive a car, but you get to get a... Permit, which leads to a license. 
license, right? 100% of you, if you want to drive a car, you're going to have to get one of these. Because if you get pulled over and you don't have one of these, you get a really big ticket. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yes, it's a big check. Um, but we need that driver's license to get the car. We need the permit to get the license. We need driver's ed to go along with that permit. So driver's ed, what good is it? Well, it's pretty, it pretty good, even not, not for learning, but also for getting what you eventually want. In the same way as we go to driver's ed so we can get that driver's license, following Jesus is not quite as simple as just choosing to follow Jesus. Now, before we move forward with that, I want to make something perfectly clear. Because I don't want you walking out of here thinking that I'm talking about being saved. Okay? Being saved is as simple as trusting in the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross and believing that he rose from the dead. Trusting in Jesus and his sacrifice, you are saved. But following Jesus is a little harder. <coughs> and it requires a little bit more on our part. So driving a car isn't as simple as getting in one. you got to go through the steps before you get there. And following Jesus isn't as simple as just being saved. So, God knows this, and so he wanted to make sure that we have the tools we need to get that job done. You need a driver's license to drive a car. You need the Bible to follow Jesus. This is our tool. So, today, I can guarantee one thing about everyone in this room, is that you live in a world that is obsessed with pursuing your own personal happiness. We talk about turds and tiaras, you're always talking about the things that make you happy and about the things that don't make you happy. And it doesn't, get, it doesn't really change when you get older. You're still after happiness. You want to be happy, because if you're sad, that's, that's lame. I'll be honest with you. I want to I be happy just the same as you want to be happy. And the reality is, is that that's not really necessarily a bad thing. We like being happy because it feels good. Our bodies feel better when we're happy. And that means that God intended you to be happy too because it's healthier to be happy. So if God intended you to be happy, there has to be a way that you can be the right kind of happy. So we're going to be opening our Bibles. If you want to start getting into it, we're going to turn to Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 written by a guy we probably all know pretty well. His name is uh, David. Have you ever heard of David? King David, one of the most famous people in the Bible that's not named Jesus. He was a prolific writer. That means he wrote a lot. And he wrote a lot of songs that we call what? Psalms, yeah. They're part song, part journal entry or diary of his life what he was thinking, what he was feeling. 119 is one of the songs that he wrote, and it has the distinction of being the longest single chapter in the entire Bible. It has 176 verses. There are some books in the New Testament that are not as long as Psalm 119. So, there are 176 verses in Psalm 119, and they are all about the same Thing. 
What can you guess based on what we've been talking about so far? It's about one of two things. It's either about the Bible or about driver's ed. Which do you think it's about? You know what? It, it's about the Bible. Following Jesus is part of that. It's about what David's thinking about the Bible, what he's talking to God about the Bible, about what God is doing in David's life because of the Bible. So we walk away from Psalm 119 saying, there's something about this Bible that David keeps talking about. So this, I want you to write this down because I want you to have this in your head before we even start. We're talking about what good is the Bible to me. This. God wants you to be perfectly happy. And he has provided the means for you to pursue. Don't just write happiness, though. Add this in there. Perfect happiness. God wants you to be perfectly happy. And he's provided the means for you to be perfect, pursue perfect happiness. So do you have a question? What good is the Bible to me? That was my fault. I didn't go into that one. That's our question of the week. What good is the Bible to me? Not just what good is the Bible. What good is it to you? Because we're really talking about you. We're talking about your happiness. We're talking about what's going to make you happy in your life. God wants you to be happy. wants you to be perfectly happy. And he's given you the Bible so that you can pursue perfect happiness. So, that leads us into our first question about this. What do blessedness and happiness have in common? So, we are going to do something a little different than we've done. In the last few weeks, we've had like one part of scripture that we're going to learn. Psalm 119 is way, way, way too long for us to go through the whole thing. Psalm 119 is super long, and we are not going to read through the whole thing today. We're going to instead, we're going to focus on three of the parts of it. We're going to focus on the Aleph part, the A part, the Bet part, the B part, and then we're going to skip over the G, which is the uh, Hebrew version of C, <laughs> and go straight to Dalet, which is the D part. So A, B, and D we're going to look at today for the three questions that we're going to, that we're going to be asking and answering. We all have this down? Yeah. No? We should probably just write that part on there. All right. At, follow along with your friend. We'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. That's not per, the Bible. All right. So what do blessedness and happiness have in common? Well, we're going to look at this. And I'll just save us some time because I really don't want to spend a ton of time digging into each one. We're going to look at it as an overview because each part of these things... David is saying something about the Bible and about his relationship with God through it. So, it says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep it or keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn 
of your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So that's just verse 1 through 8. Now, note this. David says that the blessed ones, blessed ones, blessed, however you want to say that, walk according to God's words. In other words, what's God's words? Right. It's not just the words that he spoke to David or the words that he spoke to Moses because all the words that he spoke to Moses, he said, write them down. And the same thing with all of his prophets. He didn't just speak to them and say, just go tell everybody. He said, tell everybody and write them down. And so we have that with us today, thousands of years later. But how, if the blessed ones walk according to God's word, how do we become blessed? And what does blessedness mean? So there are a couple, there's a lot of versions of definitions of the word blessed, if you look it up online. But there were a couple in there that I think are really, really pointed at here. Because some of them talk about how God is blessed, or we talk about, oh, blessed slumber. Right? Oh, like this is the best sleep I've ever had. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being blessed in our lives. And really, we're talking about two things. Number one, it means being endowed with or given divine favor. That's called grace. Or bringing pleasure or relief as a welcome contrast to what one has previously experienced, right? So you've been... If you've been lacking sleep because your dog got scratched in the eye by a mole, your dog's keeping you up all night, and then suddenly your dog's eye is healed and you sleep through the first night, you're going to wake up going, oh my gosh, that was a pleasure and a welcome relief in contrast to what I have received. I can make it a little more. Someday maybe you guys will have babies or you've had baby sisters or brothers that don't sleep through the night. And someday later on, they start doing that, and you start sleeping through the night. And if you're like me, it's been five years since that's happened, because we had a daughter five, five and a half years ago, and we still have another baby. We have a third baby now, and so there's never really been a time where we've just had sleeping through the night. And more recently, our youngest has been sleeping through the night, and I will tell you what, that is a welcome contrast to what we have been receiving, which is multiple times up a night. So blessedness is a type of happiness. I'm happy to be getting sleep. I'm happy that God's grace is with me because of Jesus Christ. Blessedness is a happiness that comes from being right before God. Blessedness is a type of happiness that comes from being right before God. Oh, we're not going to read that one. So, Maybe I can make this, since none of you have kids. How many of you have ever gotten a report card? Okay. Report card is a thing you get at school where the teacher tells your parents how well you're doing or not doing, if you're me. Um, so, how many of you, how does it feel when you get good grades? How do you feel, like, when you get good grades? Happy, okay. Maybe, like, be a little different, maybe a little more... Do you feel stressed out at all? When you have good grades? No, there's no reason to feel stressed out because you know whatever I did, it worked. So it may have been stressed out before, but now I feel relief. How about when you get bad grades? How do you feel about that? I never feel... 
I don't feel angry, I feel stressed because I know I'm not in the right place, right? If I'm supposed to be achieving to this level and I'm achieving down here, and now my parents have to sign it, and now they know I'm not doing well in school, and now we have to go and have a teacher-parent conference, and now my parents and my teacher are talking to each other about the things that I need to do better in school, that is stressful. <laughs> but it's because I know I'm not in the right place. So get your mind around that. Blessedness is that kind of happiness, when we know we're in the right spot. So if, as I said before, everybody in the world is pursuing their own personal happiness, God gave us his word, was what David is saying, so we can know how he intended us to be happy, by keeping his statutes, by observing his commandments, by, by rejoicing in his upright rules, and all of these things. We can learn to feel good when we know we are right, and right where we're supposed to be. Because pleasing God makes us feel good. When you are pleasing God, your relationship with him, is super awesome. Now, we can only do that by walking according to our words. So, that begs the question. If we, we talked about before, what do bless, we know what blessedness is, what kind of happiness it is. H how? How would following and observing God's laws make me happy? Because that, that seems like a lot of rules in there. So, how does following God's word actually do that to make me happy? Well, We'll go on to the B part. So if you see the part that has the little Beth above it, it's the next set of verses, 9 through 16. As it says this, How can a young man or woman keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So, first part, he's talking about how the happiest people are the ones who are observing and keeping God's word. And then he's talking about how it makes him happy because, number one, He's laying out a beautiful way that God's word helps us to pursue this happiness, this perfect happiness that he wants for us. By number one, it's a guard against falling away from God. God's word is a guardrail against falling away from God. Imagine if you're driving, in, how many of you have ever driven in mountains or in like curvy, windy paths with cliffs on the side or hills on the side? What do they have when you come up to the curve? Um, is it just like a straight off, you drive straight off the cliff? Or is there something stopping you? Is there usually that, though? No, what is there? We call that a what? Not a curb. It's much bigger than a curb because it's got metal things on it. It's a kind of fence. Okay, I'll help you out. It's called a guardrail. Another thing that they have. Another thing they have, how many of you have ever driven on the highway and your dad or your mom drift a little bit off of the lane and all of a sudden you feel a and then your dad goes, oh, whoops. You ever had that? Your dads and moms are really good drivers. So, next time you're on the highway, 
look on the outside lanes, look on the outside of the road, there's these dips, these lots of really close together, like cuts up, cut into the concrete. They're called rumble strips. Oh, I know that. Yeah, you may notice from, uh, from O'Hare, how many of you have driven into the airport before to pick somebody up, and you drive in and all of a sudden go, that's telling you, and then your dad's like, oh, I better slow down, because those rumble strips are there to tell your mind something through feel. They're to keep you from getting off the road or keep you from going and doing something you shouldn't be doing. Much like a guardrail or a rumble strip on the highway, God's word is like a guardrail for our lives. When we're reading it, when we're observing it, when we are earnestly desiring to keep God's law and to walk the way that he wants us to walk, it keeps us from getting off the path. A rumble strip on the highway is not going to keep you from driving into a ditch. It's much the same as a guardrail won't do it. If you hit it hard enough, you'll flip right over that thing. But what it is designed to do is give you that indicator like, oh, this is the road I need to stay on. And a lot of the times, the Bible will act like that in your life. You'll read it and you'll be like, hmm, I'm recognizing something in myself that I don't really like. The second thing it does is it's a treasure. Like, David's not just saying, this is a list of do's and don'ts. He's saying, this is a treasure that I have, God's word. And it keeps me from sinning. How? You know, we see the same word. Again, you may have noticed words like uh, testimonies. Did you see that word? Precepts, uh, ways, statutes, commandments, rules. In Psalm 119, as you read through, you see these over and over and over and over again. But what do they mean? Because I'm sure you know the Bible isn't just a big, giant book of rules for us to follow. But in fact, it's a way that God reveals himself to us. He said to Moses, he spoke speaking to Moses and not to the people, but he said to Moses, listen and share what I said, but also write it down so that the people have my word. God wants you to know who he is. And when you read through this, even the rules, even the things where it's like, don't do this and do this, it's really teaching you something about who? God. God. Yeah. Teaches you something about God and teaches you something about us, right? If, if you... Uh, See on the side of a can, it says, you know, caution, don't light this can on fire. That tells you something. Number one, something is dangerous inside of this. And number two, somebody was once stupid enough to light this can on fire. And they felt like they needed to tell you, hey, in case you're wondering, these flammable liquids explode when you light them on fire. Right? So God's teaching you about himself, and he's teaching you about who you are. Because these rules are in there for a reason. Because you're going to be breaking them. So. You're already what? I'm already behind on the waiting. Oh. Yeah. These are the verses. You can read them right in Psalm 119. Yeah. Right. Oh. This is 9 through 16. So if you write down that reference. You can read it later. Oh, this is good. I'm getting some in-the-moment feedback about how this layout is working. So, the Bible is first and foremost not a book of rules, but it is a work of personal revelation from God, about God, to you. So, we talked about rumble strips, but here's a movie. How many of you recently saw Incredibles 2? Yeah. 
Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Is it good? Yes. Okay. Awesome. All right. But I've seen Incredibles 1 a ton. And I love this story because Mr. Incredible, in the first movie, he's obsessed for most of the movie with doing one thing. What is it? Superhero. Being a superhero, right? And, and who is he leaving behind when he does that? His family. See, you all got that, right? So his whole focus in the first movie is about being a superhero or getting back to being a superhero. And he forgets this amazing family he's got for most of the movie until what happens that changes his mind? Yes, and does what? What's the point in the movie where everything changes for Mr. Incredible? When they attack the jet and it gets blown up, Mr. Incredible th thinks what happened to his family. They all died, right? So he's been obsessed with being a superhero, and now his whole family is dead. And he starts to realize they were a lot more valuable than my work life as a superhero, and now they're gone, and I've missed it. And so when he finds out they're alive, he's just like, oh, you keep arguing with me, but I'm just so happy you're alive. Everything changed for him. It was all about his family because what he realized is that what he had was so much more valuable than pursuing this thing that he thought would make him happy. He suddenly realized how happy he was just being a dad and having a family. And that's a beautiful story. So, again, we're coming back. All of us want to be happy, right? We're all pursuing happiness. The world is telling you you should be happy, and here's a thousand ways that you can be happy if you just go on the right vacation or wear the right clothes or go to the right places or have the right schooling or have a best, the best job. But God is saying, no, you need to know the best person. And he reveals that to you in his word, and he gets you on the right road when you learn about him and his word and how he intended for you to be happy. So, that's the point, right? Where it's the big main point. We're asking, what good is the Bible to us? Blessed people follow it. Uh, it's, it's the guideway for the keep me on the road to happiness. Well, this is it. This is that main point. So I start writing this down. What good is the Bible to me? Well, in it, we can know and live fully with God. You want to know what perfect happiness is? This is what perfect happiness is. It's knowing and living fully with God. Notice I didn't say for God. I didn't say no feeling, loving, and living fully with God. God wants you to know who he is personally, relationship-wise, and he wants you to live with him, continuing on in that relationship with him. When we read the Bible in, this, in these pages, we can know and live fully with God if we read it and walk in its ways. So, not to leave you with that, saying like, okay, we got this main point and we're done, because I'm sure there are some questions that come from that one, like, how does following God's word actually make me happy? So, if you want to skip over the one that says Gimel, and go straight to verse 25 through 32, David stops describing what God's word does and starts describing the impact that God's word has had on him. And really, in talking about what it did in his life, he's talking about what God wants to do in your life through God's word. It says, my soul clings to dust. 
Give me life according to your word. When I told my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So, a couple things that stick out immediately. What God's word did in David's life and what he wants to do in your life according to his word. It gives life. God's word gives us life. It shows us how we can be saved, number one, and how we can live the way that God always intended for us. That perfect happiness only comes from being in the right place. You're never going to be perfectly happy as long as you're living out of step with what your creator designed you to be. So God's word gives us life because it shows us how we can have salvation and to live the way that God actually intended for us to live. But not only that, because you know, you and I know it's an easy thing to say that we should be without sin, but it's a really hard thing to not sin. But God's word strengthens us. When we find ourselves in troubling times. So how, how might we be strengthened when we read the Bible? What does the Bible have in it to help us when we're going through really rough times? What's that? You forgot? Encouragement, great. How about hope? Does it have hope in it? What do, we, what do we get from God's word that strengthens us when we're going through oh, hard times? Um, lots of love and we get to do fun things. Lots of love and we get to do fun things like what? Like, because if your parents didn't love you, I, you would never get to go to Ephesus. Right, okay. So we know the good plans that God has for us as our Heavenly Father because of how much he loves us. That's good. Yeah, I love all those things. All those things we have when we read the Bible. It's not, see, it's not just rules. It's not just that we know the right way to go, but also that God gives us so much love and hope and promise when we read it. And finally, the Holy Spirit fills us when we read God's word. Number one, you're going to find this, you'll never understand what the Bible says unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. You're never going to understand what God is saying to you unless he reveals himself to you, and he does that through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us when we trust in Jesus, and when we're filled, we're finally able to walk in the way. See, look at it. He says, I will run in the way of the commandments, not when I choose to, but when you enlarge my heart, when you fill, right? So we talk about enlarging, it's getting bigger. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying this, I'm never going to do it until you make it possible for me to do it. Even David, a couple thousand, a thousand years before Jesus was born, knew that if he was going to live according to God's ways, God was going to have to do a work in his heart. So, 
How many of you know who Superman is? What? I'm hoping all of you know who Superman is. If I drew a Superman symbol anywhere in the world, there's probably very few people who wouldn't know who Superman is. And everybody knows kind of what, what Superman can do, right? What can he do? He fly. fly. He can x-ray vision. Laser eyes. I mean, you're, talk about one big thing, though, right? When he punches somebody, what happens to him? Why, why would they do that? Why do they punch, Why do they fly when he punches them? Because he's strong. He's not just strong. He's crazy strong. But the truth is, if, so, if somebody actually got punched, either he would, their, his fist would literally go through right. them, or he would, like, Nothing, None of the science stuff. We don't need to get into science of Superman. But what we are learning about right now is this. Superman's powers come from somewhere, right? They aren't just, he doesn't just have them. How does he get them? The sun, right? The rays of the sun getting into his body and give him power like we don't even realize. What takes away his powers? Kryptonite or red sunlight, yes. We're going we're gonna to nerd out right here. Yes, from his old world, right? The red sun doesn't take away his powers, but it doesn't help him get them. Uh, but also, it's kryptonite, right? When he's there, he's like, oh, I'm weak now. So, imagine Superman, right? When I'm talking to you about what happens next. Scripture is to us like sunlight is to Superman, right? Sunlight's not the sun. God is God. The sun is the sun. But what comes from God is his word. What comes from the sun is the sunlight. And when we read God's word and the Holy Spirit fills us by trusting in Jesus, we're given strength. We're given so much more than just a list of rules of do's and don'ts and be and don't be. We're given a relationship with God and we're given the Holy Spirit who helps us to live in the way that God always intended for us which is going to be the only way that we have not just happiness, but what kind of happiness? Perfect happiness. That's right. Everyone's pursuing happiness. But following every little whim that you have will not make you happy in the end. It will only bring you to destruction. And God's word reveals to us how much he wants your ultimate happiness, your perfect happiness. He gives us life. He strengthens us. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit so that we can know and live fully. Oh, that sounds like something I said before. With God. It's not a one-time thing. This is your life, having a relationship with God. So what? So what does this mean? Well, this. You're going to leave here. You're going to go out into the world. You're going to go on vacation this summer. You're going to go back to school in the fall. You're going to go hang out with your friends. And everyone in the world is going to encourage you to pursue your happiness. Do what makes you happy. And they will offer you all kinds of ways to get that happiness, to get whatever you think will make you happy. And the last thing that I want for you to do is leave this room thinking that the Bible is the only way you're going to be happy. Or that the rules that are in it, the do's, the don'ts, the be's, the don't be's, the rights, the wrongs, or that this thing is just simply like the instruction manual that you get with a video game or a new toy, a Lego box set, 
on how to build it, right? That's not what this is. I don't want you to think that. Because when you think that that's what the Bible's about, you become one of two people. Either you will become a person who is self-righteous, who, who thinks that they're better than everyone else just because you follow those rules. Or you will become a miserable, hopeless person who is so depressed because all you have in your life is the failures to keep those rules. I don't want you to be either one of those people. I want you to be the third kind of person. God designed you for perfect happiness. And when we read the Bible, what we're actually reading is not that list. We're reading a letter from God to you. He's telling you who he is. He's telling you what he's done. He's telling you how much he loves you and wants the best for you. That's what good the Bible is for us. That's what, that's what good the Bible is to you today. Not that it tells you the right and the wrong thing to do, but that it reveals who God is to you so that you can know and live fully with him. Is that what we're supposed to do today? Oh. Ah, okay. So, all right. God's word is more than a list of rules, but it's a relationship that God is wanting to have with you, a letter that he wrote to you about himself and about how much he loves you. So, this week, we're going to tackle a big thing, and we're going to come back, and we're actually going to spend some time next week talking about what the result of that was this week. So this week, I want to try and read through the entire Psalm 119, all 176 verses. So, bear with me. And when we come back next week, we're going to talk about what we learned about God. Not about what we learned about what we should be doing, but what do we learn about who God is in that. Because what I really want for you is not to learn what the right and the wrong thing is. I think all of us have a sense of what that is most of the time. But what I really want is for you to start hearing from God himself about who he is in his word. So really focus on what God is trying to tell you about who he is when you're reading it and write it down. Don't just read it, but write it down. Next week, we're going to talk about what we learned. Now, if you don't make it through all 176 verses, that's okay. I just got finished telling you that it's not about rights and wrongs and rules and do's and don'ts. So if you don't make it through, it's really a personal choice that you're making. I really just want you to engage God in his word. So even if that's just one verse and that verse changes everything for you, I'm happy with that. But the reason why I'm saying let's go through this is because I want us to get in the practice of getting something from God when we read his word, of, of learning more about who he is, because that's really what the Bible's about. So um, let me pray, because uh, it seems like maybe we have a little bit of time now for these since we missed uh, baptisms, um, and then I'll answer some questions, and then we'll get into our
group questions. So God, thank you. Uh, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that you didn't just tell Moses what to say to everybody, but you also told them to record it and pass it on and, and that, that your word was designed to be passed down to the generations and, and that what we have today, um, we can know who you are and what you've done. And uh, God, I pray that as we read it this week, we would respond with joy and at the love that you show uh, to us, that we would learn about you, uh, who you are and who you designed us to be. And uh, God, I pray that in some way you would change us from who we were uh, a little bit more into who you want us to be. Um, so we ask this in the name of Jesus, the only name that can save and uh, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit to understand all that you want to teach us. Amen.